0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Cognitive Connections, Conversations on Dementia, with me, your host, Carrie Candy. Let's jump in.
1: Good morning, Doris. Welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, Can I just get you to introduce
0: yourself,
2: give us your job title and what you do? Uh-huh. So my name is Doris Bonora. I'm a partner with Dentons Canada. I mostly practice in the area of wills and estates and trusts. I deal a lot with families who have somebody who um, is suffering from some form of dementia. and I have a history with the Alzheimer's Society, so I used to sit on the board and now I continue volunteering in the Seeds of Hope program. So the Alzheimer's Society is definitely something that's really important to me.
1: Oh, wonderful. Doris, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your time. So the Seeds of Hope is a very important program at the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with that and what you do with that program?
2: So one of the segments in the Seeds of Hope is what should you do legally if someone in your family has been diagnosed with dementia? And so we when someone from my office, often me, because I love doing it, come and talk to families about. Doing, getting all of their legal affairs in order, so doing their will, doing their power of attorney, doing their personal directive. And if those families, in fact, have those documents in place already, then it's possible that they need changes because of the dementia. So it's a wonderful opportunity for people during that session to ask for free legal advice, which doesn't happen very often, and Mm -hmm. be able to talk freely about the concerns they're having from a legal perspective and what their future looks like in respect of the legal documents they might have in place. Mm -hmm. And for you on a personal level, what drew you to working with a society? Do you know, I in my practice I was dealing with people who had dementia, and so that initially drew me to working with the society. And then my husband's mother ended up with dementia, and so then I had a very personal side and could very much relate to um, yeah. the personal side of dealing with dementia in a family. Absolutely, and it's
1: obviously a very—I mean—it goes without saying—it's a u- unique position to be in when you're making these decisions about your will and what's going to happen. And after you pass, a lot of people maybe aren't prepared and aren't prepared to deal with it on top of dementia. What,
2: mm-hmm. what is that like, that dynamic? Well, so one of two of the important documents that I think are even more important than a will for someone who for a family where now a, a member of their family has dementia is the personal directive in Alberta and the enduring power of attorney. So that you're appointing someone to deal with financial affairs and healthcare decisions when the disease progresses to a stage where you can't make those decisions for yourself. And that I would say those are so important once you've had a diagnosis of dementia, Mm -hmm. because you know the disease progresses. Unfortunately, that is the reality. And so eventually there will be a need to provide some assistance. The nice thing about if you do the documents in a certain way where you aren't requiring someone to go get tested and they provide assistance through the whole journey of Alzheimer's is that we can also preserve somebody's dignity. So we're not requiring Mm -hmm. them to get tested, requiring them to be declared incapacitated, which is very Mm -hmm. undignified. But in Mm -hmm. fact, we allow them to have their dignity and allow them to be able to deal with financial affairs On their own for as long as possible or as much as they want and so there's lots of strategies that make family relations so much better if you have Mm -hmm. your documents in place while the person's alive and then of course it's so hard on a family if someone doesn't have a will or doesn't have an up-to-date will so Mm -hmm. it's just such a gift to your family to do a proper will and to make sure that's in place because if you don't have a will it never affects you Hopefully you're going to some better place. You're never dealing with the mess. So not having a will and not having an up-to-date will really just leaves a mess behind for others.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it is that one thing that a lot of people don't want to leave. They, they, They don't want to deal with, right? They just don't want to face it or it's just not a pleasant topic. To think about not a sometimes. pleasant
2: topic people love to procrastinate about it but it is the one thing that all of us have to deal with right it's mm. there, there are very many universal things not everyone will buy a house or buy a car or, you know have different experiences but everyone is going to die everyone has people in their family that are going to die mm-hmm. and so it is very universal that it's important that it be dealt with
0: hmm
1: and do you think there's a certain stigma attached to talking about death that that really does stop family members from understanding that?
2: You know, I think it. There is a stigma, and you know, I encourage people to ask their children what they want from their house. And oftentimes, people will say, "I tried," and they say. Mom, I don't want to talk about that. And Aww, uh, yeah. and so I do think that lots of times it's not so much people worried about talking about their own death. Because I think as people get older, they, you know, go to lots of funerals and they understand it's a reality. Right. Um, and they do so want to provide a good plan for their own families. But it mm-hmm. is, in fact, children who kind of resist the discussion because they don't want to deal with the reality of their parents dying. Yeah, it's really tough, for sure. Mm -hmm, I get that. mm
1: -hmm. Now, tell me more about your work on the board and, and, and how your experience has been working with this society. What do you like about it?
2: You know what? I love the amazing support that families get on their journey and so you know I think that society is so unique in the sense that you know so many societies have to charge for programs or have to deal with you know concerns about that and the fact that the Alzheimer's Society provides this amazing support either in support groups or amazing ability to provide Mm -hmm. education for this disease that quite you know can be quite devastating for families is why I love working with the Alzheimer's Society. I mean, the staff are amazing, but the support that it provides to the community is astounding.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And I wanted to take us back to the
1: the two documents you talked about before, in terms of, okay, so those are the first two steps that you recommend if things aren't already in place.
2: What Mm -hmm. would
1: happen after that?
2: Usually, I mean, the other document that obviously we have to deal with is dealing with a will. The, you know, the nice thing about preparing a power of attorney and a personal directive is there probably isn't much that happens after that. Now those stay in place. And as the disease progresses, families will use those documents to assist the person, you know, as they need more and more assistance. So, you know, we can structure the power of attorney so you can just kind of act in the background. You know, if someone Mm -hmm. likes to use their credit card, but maybe they're spending too much. You can, in the background, decrease their limit without having to face them and confront Mm. them about that problem. And so that's why Mm -hmm. I'm saying when these are documented well you can absolutely preserve dignity of a person who's dealing with a very tough disease as well Mm -hmm. right and there's recognition Mm -hmm. that they're having some failings and that's you know a very anxious time for them Mm -hmm. as well yeah it almost
1: sounds like it can be customized like a a custom fit for that family
2: Mhm. You I know, um, of it that especially way. on the healthcare side. So, you know, what are the things that are important to you when if you were to get sick? The personal directive allows you to put some of those things into a document so that when you aren't able to speak for yourself, then then the document would speak for you. And Mm. that is, you know, just so important for someone. So, for example, we recently worked with the Alzheimer's Society to put together a clause around when you're in the very late stages of dementia. So you, you know, can't take care of yourself, you Mm. um, are not mobile anymore, and you're non-communicative of course, we would keep you comfortable, of course, every medication that would keep you comfortable. But the question would be, do you need to take vitamins? Do you need to get vaccinations Mm. to keep you healthier? And so we've had some families who came to us after their family member had died and said, you know, now reflecting on how I took care of them in the late stages, Was it really necessary to keep them as healthy as I did? And lots of people are saying, absolutely put that clause in my personal directive. I don't want to live really long in those late stages uh, Mm. of the disease. So it can absolutely be customized. And even on a more frivolous side, I had a woman who said, you know, I hate it when I go to nursing homes and people have bad bed head and they, you know, look terrible and their nails are bad. And so, you know, she said, no matter how crazy I get, no matter how batty I get, I wanna make sure that my hair and nails are done once a week. And so those things can absolutely be in your personal directive.
1: Wow, I like that. I'm mm-hmm.
2: definitely
1: having that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, let's talk about leaving donations in the will. Mm-hmm. What is that exactly for
2: people who aren't familiar? So, you know, let's talk about your will generally. So your will generally is going to give money to people who you love and who you cherish and who are important to you. And many people have charities that also are very important to them, you know, whether it's their church or the Alzheimer's Society or other groups or charities that have been important to them and have helped them in their life. So you know, in today's society and with inflation, maybe people find it a bit more difficult to give donations while they're alive, because they never know how much money they're going to need for the rest of their life. And we don't, you know, none of us knows our expiration date. So it's hard Mm -hmm. to plan. And but when you die, you don't need that money anymore. And so there's a good reasons for thinking about a donation in a will. Number one, it is a time when you don't need money and so it can, you can get back to those charities that have been super helpful to you or to your family or that you have a real affinity for. Mm. Secondly, there's a big tax benefit to giving a charitable gift on death and there are some taxes that you'll pay when you die. Mm. You're deemed to dispose of things and so you might have some taxes So, then there's a big offset. So, I always say, you know, unless Revenue Canada is your favorite charity, you might want to think about a charitable gift. So, you divert some of that money from Revenue Canada to a much better cause. Wait a minute, Um,
1: is the CRA listening to this?
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then it shows your family what was important to you. And so, and I would say, you know, Giving the gift, big or small, usually doesn't impact the amount of money you're ultimately leaving your children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews or whoever you're leaving money to. So it's a small amount out. Everyone feels Mm. good about doing that. But the other thing I would ask people to think about is very substantial amounts are often donated After somebody's obituary is uh, published in the paper. And it's, I feel like many times a family chooses the, Charity to give money to in lieu of flowers, like Mm -hmm. on a whim. They're at the funeral home, and the funeral home says, Okay, what do you want to put at the end of the obituary? And they say, I don't know, let's choose cancer, let's choose Mm -hmm. children. But you can be very intentional and you can say in your will, In my obituary, I want you to name the Alzheimer's Society. Mm. And now you have chosen that. And your family will be so happy because you've given them one less decision to make. And you've been very intentional about who which uh, society is actually mm-hmm. going to be named in your just in your obituary yeah. so
1: there are so many decisions to be made and, and it's a tough time to be making decisions yes. and yeah it's wonderful to have one less so that's that is a great idea
0: so where do you go when you have questions about dementia and you need some answers right away or when you want to get some support and connection from others who may also be affected by dementia. The Asanté Cafe has four key areas that bridge the gap for people who are looking for online support from the society. Number one is chat. Discussion groups are a great way to meet others, to ask questions, share experiences and find support for many dementia related topics. You can join a discussion or start your own and reach out to others. Number two is ask. We've gathered the most common first questions we get and provided answers and a list of resources for individuals and families when a dementia diagnosis is anticipated or been made. Number three is LEARN. Our education programs allow you to learn at your own pace about Alzheimer's disease and other dementias through video presentations and reflection. Topics range from lifestyle and brain health to finances and helping families cope. Number four is watch. Through live meetings, our team brings together presenters to share knowledge, experiences, and resources on a vast number of topics. These webinars provide real-time learning opportunities and encourage participation. Join the Asante Cafe and be a part of an online community where individuals living with dementia, family, friends, and care partners can connect and participate in discussions and educational forums head to assantcafe.ca. That's A-S-A-N-T-C-A-F-E e.ca C-A.
1: Now, there is an offset you were saying. What other impacts would you say leaving a gift in your will can have for the
2: charity? Well of course great for the charity right it's uh, charities are struggling so much so the fact that you would have the ability to give these gifts after you die mm-hmm. maybe you could leave the gift in your own name so you're kind of leaving a legacy in the community you know many people leave a gift that for example for a scholarship or they might leave money to name a room or give mm-hmm. money to a certain doctor for doing certain kinds of research so you can very much impact through your gift, how you're going to do that. And, you know, it could be that your name or your family name is always left behind mm. as a sign that you were here, that you and contributed to the community. So there's lots of ideas. And I would say, don't be limited by the ideas that you have. The charity always knows the kinds of things that they would like. And so if mm. you challenge them and say, I'd like to make a gift, But I'd like to kind of be, have some kind of recognition for my family or for my parents. Um, So, you know, then the charity can give you ideas about what can that look like? Can they name a room after you? Can they name a program after you? There's lots of abilities and the charity would know way better about um, what that can look like Mm -hmm. for you or your family. And I know with the society, too, we have the
1: programs and services, the support groups, all of the resources, the navigators. So there's something there's so much there. And then there's also research, which is massive and so important to finding a cure and improving the quality of life for people with dementia. So you can customize, which is great.
2: Yeah, yeah. So whatever yeah. is super important to you, right? And mm-hmm. so it can be you could, but you can if, if that is if you're saying I really just want to leave the money to do whatever they think is best, that's okay too, you right? Can that the charity too. will find a way to use the money in the best way possible mm-hmm. without having it designated. So whether you have some really specific ideas or you want some ideas or you just are prepared to leave the money and let them use it in the future, all of those are possible in the charitable right. giving end.
1: Right. I know sometimes when there's a diagnosis, there's a lot of overwhelm on everyone, everyone's part, everyone involved, family, friends, and of course, the person that's got the diagnosis. Do you find that they come to you and they don't know where to start? Can you describe what that's like?
2: They definitely do. Luckily, you know, it's great that lots of physicians refer people to the Alzheimer's Society, and then, you know, it's the Alzheimer's Society kind of leads them through, these are Mm -hmm. all the things you should do, and here's the ones you should get done earlier. So I would say that, you know, we should be kind of more to the top of the list, Mm -hmm. because... If someone loses capacity, they can't then do their documents. So, right. and of course, the disease is unpredictable. So if someone has a long road, then, of course, they have a long mm. road to get their documents done. But because the disease is unpredictable and mm-hmm. someone could lose their capacity in a short period of time, then getting their legal affairs in order is a thing that should be done earlier right. in the process. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Doris, what would you say to someone who was experiencing a great deal of anxiety over this, you know, regardless of whether they have a diagnosis or not, maybe they have some history, uh, what what would you say to that person?
2: I would say that... You know, if you seek out people who are used to dealing with dementia and dealing with pe- families who have dementia, then you're going to get a soft landing. So you're not going to mm. feel intimidated in the lawyer's office. You're going to feel like you're being cared for. So I think seeking out those people. I think lots of times people think that going to a lawyer's office is intimidating, and it probably is. Mm. Um, even when you meet this friendly face like mine, but uh, <laughs> we try and make things very comfortable for for people who. Who are coming. Yeah. And I think that the other thing is that I think lots of times people think they have to come to the lawyer's office with all the answers. And mm. again, that is not the case. So, you know, they mm. just have to come and say, this is our problem in our family. Here's the goals we kind of want to achieve. And mm-hmm. then let the lawyers, you know, who do this on a regular basis, give you ideas about how to achieve those goals so Mm -hmm. if you know that you can come just with your goals as opposed to having all the answers about how that looks in a document I think that um, decreases the anxiety Mm -hmm. the other thing I would say is sometimes we have people who don't want to do their documents because Mm. maybe they don't have the disease even though their doctor and all their family thinks they have the disease and they're in denial And so then the family will say, I I can't get them to come and see you because they don't actually think they have a problem. So then (laughs) what we do is work with the family to draft a set of documents that are pretty neutral, but at least would give them what they basically need. And then we allow the family and we give instructions on how the family can get it signed without ever having a lawyer involved, without having to come to the lawyer's office. And then the family finds a gentle time when the person is doing better and Mm. then presents the idea of signing these documents or getting them in place. So, you know, it doesn't, doing your personal directive and power of attorney and will Mm. doesn't necessarily mean having to come to a lawyer's office. There's lots of ways to deal with that issue and to achieve success mm-hmm. um, and doing it even, you know, kind of getting the documents drafted and then just getting it signed without the great. lawyer. So, okay, great. Doris, this has been awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I would say probably just do get your documents done. Do really think about, you know, giving gifts to those people who really matter to you. Not just mm-hmm. thinking it's only my children. It could be your neighbor who comes and does beautiful things for you or your caregiver. But also do think about charitable gifts. It's so lovely to leave a small gift or even just to pick the charity that's going to be in your mm-hmm. obituary. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cognitive Connections, Conversations on Dementia with the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories. We hope you found our discussion valuable and insightful. Remember, the power of connection and understanding can make a real difference in the lives of those with dementia. If you're looking for additional resources, support, or more information on dementia, head over to our website at alzheimer.ab.ca. Here you'll find a wealth of resources, support, programs, and more. We encourage you to share this podcast with anyone who may benefit from these conversations and leave us a review. Join us again next time as we continue to explore the multifaceted aspects of dementia with our insightful guests. Until then, take care, stay connected, And remember that every conversation counts in the realm of cognitive connections.